All right, well, turn with me to 1 Peter if you have a Bible. If you don't, no problem. We'll be showing you guys the verses on the screens. But let me start by saying that things don't last. They don't. They, they just wear out. They break. They lose their beauty, and they fade away. In 1978, the band Kansas wrote the song Dust in the Wind, and the lyrics talk about things not lasting. Here are some of the lyrics. I close my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It slips away. All the money won't another minute buy. Dust in the wind. All they are is dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Things just don't last. And that's true for us too. People don't last. We wear out. We, we fade away. When I was a kid, I didn't really experience a lot of death, even though my parents died when I was four. I, I was really too young to remember any of it. The first really painful encounter with death was when my dog, Little Bit, died. We called her Bip, and she was this miniature black and tan dachshund. I think we actually have a picture of Bip. Yep, there's Bip. I know, she can that's either me or Bob, I can't tell. It's my... No, it's, I think it, that's me. It's me, right, Mom? Yeah, that's me, that's, that's me and Ben. So we did everything with this dog, and one story, we were playing by this woods. They were kind of, these woods were kind of near our house, and and my brother and I, my twin brother and I were there, and these kids were there too, and there were like four of them, and they were older than us, like a year or two older, and they came up to us and said, hey, these are our woods. And we were like, nuh-uh, they're our woods. And they're like, yeah. And so the, one of the kids pushed one of us, and I remember saying, sick em, Bip. And Bip just goes nuts on these kids, like, rah, 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 like her, you know, this little miniature tan, rah, rah, like teeth on And the kids are like looking around, and she's like attacking all four of them. And they run away finally, and my brother and I said, and stay out. <laughs> oh, that was such a great Bip story. So when Bip got sick and died, I think I was 13 years old, and it just, it crushed me. It just crushed me. Things were never the same without her. You know, there's a danger when we trust in things that won't last. And that brings us to 1 Peter. The Apostle Peter, who wrote 1 Peter, he likes to talk about what will last and what won't last. He likes to contrast Things that last and things that won't. He likes to contrast the, the perishable with the imperishable, the temporal or the temporary with the eternal. In 1 Peter 1, verses 22 through 25, it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again not of perishable seed, 
but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So Peter answers three questions in this passage. First, who is perishable? Who is perishable? Well, Peter makes this very clear. We are. He quotes Isaiah 40, which for us is here in verse 24, which says, All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. That's us. That's us. Our flesh, our bodies, are like grass. And if you know anything about my grass, it's a battle. Grass doesn't last. It gets attacked by weeds. It gets beaten down by people. It gets scorched by the sun. By the middle of the summer, my grass withers. It doesn't last very long. And the same is true for flowers. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I love flowers, and I love the flowers in our yard. I love the daffodils and the daylilies, the black-eyed Susans, the cone flowers, the, the irises, the flowering cherry tree. My favorite is our wisteria, which has these amazing long flowers, but they just don't last. They're beautiful when they bloom, but most of them last for two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks at the most, and then they fade away and they die. That's a picture of our lives. We're a lot like the grass and the flowers. We're not going to be around that long. We're not going to last. Most of us are fading. And there's a reason for that. It's because we have been born of perishable seed. Did you pick that up in verse 23? It says, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed. Now, what does he mean by perishable seed? Well, Peter here is comparing us to plants. In the same way that seed brings forth grass or flowers, seeds also bring forth human beings. Seeds are amazing things. Think about how a seed can lay dormant. It looks like it's dead, but it contains life inside. Every plant seed contains like a little embryo that springs to life when it's planted in the ground. And human seeds are even more amazing. Human seeds produce new life. But the problem is it just doesn't last. The life is temporary. The, the seed is perishable. It's not eternal. So what do we do? Is there a way to be born of imperishable seed? Can we find something eternal? Can we find something that will last? Well, that brings me to our second question. Can we be imperishable? Well, Peter doesn't just talk about perishable seed. He also talks about imperishable seed. And this imperishable seed doesn't produce a normal birth. 
it causes us to be born again. Did you pick that up in verse 23? It says, since you have been born again. We can be born in a way that will last forever, where we won't die, we won't fade away, we won't wear out. It's called being born again. Now, this is where I probably lost some of you. If you've heard of the phrase born again, you're probably getting ready to collect your things and head for the door. It has quite a bad reputation. One meme I saw said, born again, people who claim to know Jesus but don't pay attention to what he says. Well, unfortunately, that's what many people think when they hear someone is born again. They now enter the ranks of the most hypocritical and judgmental people in our society. But that is a complete distortion of being born again. Being born again should produce the exact opposite results. Now, being born again means to be born spiritually, which means that prior to being born again, we are spiritually dead because of our sin. Now, that doesn't mean we're as evil as we can be, and it doesn't mean we don't do good things. It just means that sin has messed up our lives and it causes spiritual death. It means that left to ourselves, we won't love and obey God. We'll, we'll run the other way. We'll live for ourselves. We'll, we'll be in charge of our own lives. We'll do what we want. That's what sin is, and that's what it means to be born physically. We are born into sin. But being born again is different. It's a spiritual birth. It's when the spiritual seed of the gospel is planted inside of you and brings forth new life, spiritual life. And this is not a temporary thing. This is an eternal thing. It's imperishable seed that will not die. Those who are born again will live forever with God. Now, how does this happen? Well, it's more of a thing that God does than a thing that we do. See, we all have a problem. We are spiritually dead. Ephesians 2 says we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and we can't give ourselves new life. You know, when you're dead, there's, there's not much you can do to help. You need someone to come and to rescue you. In 1967, two utility workers or linemen had been performing routine maintenance when one of them, a man named Randall Champion, brushed one of the low voltage lines at the very top of the utility pole. His safety harness prevented a fall, but he was completely knocked unconscious and his heart had stopped from the massive jolt of electricity that he was hit with. His friend J.D. Thompson raced up the pole and immediately began mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He continued breathing into Champion's lungs until he felt a slight pulse, and then he yelled, he's breathing. Thompson then unbuckled Champion's harness and descended with him on his shoulder. Thompson and another worker then administered CPR on the ground, and Champion was moderately revived by the time the paramedics arrived. So here's a picture of him climbing that pole and giving him CPR. Uh, He was burned, 
but he was alive. He eventually made a full recovery. J.D. Thompson saved his life. We were the ones that sinned. We broke God's commands. We put many things in our lives above God. We touched the wire of sin. And it killed us spiritually. And apart from outside help, we would just dangle on that telephone pole and die. But here is the good news, what we call the gospel. God sent help. God sent someone to rescue us. He sent his only son, Jesus, to save us. Jesus was born physically, and the reason he was born physically was so that he could die. He needed to be born of temporary seed so that he could die in our place and for our sins. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He died to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be cleansed and purified, so that we could be born again and welcomed into the family of God. See, the difference between Jesus and the lineman that saved the other guy's life is that when that lineman climbed up that pole to save his friend, he didn't have to give up his life. He was able to climb back down. But Jesus had to give up his life to save us. When Jesus climbed up on that cross, and when those bitter nails were driven through his hands, he did not come back down. He died. And he took the wrath and judgment of God so that we wouldn't have to so that we would be rescued. This is the most amazing news in the world. And it's called the gospel. And it's a message, but it's not like other messages. It's not just like a bunch of facts or a historical story like George Washington crossed the Delaware. It's a message that calls us to do something. And we see that in 1 Peter, in verse 22, it tells us we have to obey the gospel of truth. The truth that we can't save ourselves, that we cannot be good enough to get into heaven, and that we are purified, that's verse 19, by the blood of Christ. We can only be rescued if we believe, if we put our faith in the death of Jesus on the cross to save us. Now this is pretty important. It's actually the most important message that you will ever hear. It's actually the only essential message that you will ever hear, and it requires a response. And in case you're tempted to think that you don't need to be born again, Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. I heard someone once say, if if you're born once, you die twice, but if you're born twice, you die once. Maybe take a sip of coffee. I know that's a little hard to grasp, but what they're saying there is this. If you're born once, so if you're born physically, and congratulations, you've all been born physically, but you're only born once, then you'll die twice. You'll die physically, and you'll die spiritually in hell. 
But if you're born twice, you're born physically, again, congratulations, and you're born spiritually, you're born again. You'll only die once. You'll die physically, but you will not die spiritually. You will live forever in eternity with God. So born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. And that brings us to verse 25, which says, the grass withers and the flower falls. Here's another contrast. But the word of the Lord remains forever. The word of the Lord remains forever. That's why this book is unlike any other book. These words, the words in this book, they are eternal. They will last forever. Maybe that's why this is the best-selling book in the world by miles. So the second best-selling book in the world is The Hobbit by Tolkien, which has sold 140 million copies. The third best-selling book in the world is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which has sold 120 million copies. The Bible has sold over 5 billion copies. Peter calls this the living and abiding word of God in verse 23. It's alive. It's not perishable. The word of God is imperishable. Reading this book is not like reading any other book. This is the only book you will ever read that is eternal. It's the only book that has the power to change your life forever. Harry Potter can't get you to Hogwarts, and he can't change your life. But God's word, specifically the gospel, is how you are born again and how you can change your life. See, when God comes into your life and he plants the gospel seed, it's not temporary. You're saved forever and you are loved forever. It's, it's permanent. It won't die off like the grass or the flowers. It will last. The seed of the gospel lasts and will never die. Spiritual birth comes from imperishable seed. It comes from God who cannot die and neither can his children. The glory of the gospel message will never fade. This is not temporary or finite. Once you're born again, you can't be unborn. Once you're part of the family of God, you cannot be disowned. Once you are loved by God, you cannot be abandoned. Now Peter is writing this letter to those who are in exile, these are Christians who've been scattered because of persecution. They're far from home. They're separated from all that was familiar. They lost everything. Whatever they had didn't last. I was thinking about the Ukrainians. So many of them have had to flee from their homes and had to leave their families. That's, that's probably how these exiles felt as they were scattered throughout modern-day Turkey. What seemed permanent to them was the power and glory of the mighty Romans. It appeared as if the Roman Empire was eternal. But that empire did not last. And Peter reminded them that there is something that is truly eternal. There is something that will last forever. It is the word of God and it is the power of the gospel message. That powerful gospel seed 
can change our lives for eternity. Now, maybe you're in a season of your life where you've lost things or things have broken and faded. Maybe you've lost someone that you were close to. Peter's advice to you is don't put your ultimate trust in things that are temporary. Put your ultimate trust in the eternal word of God. Put your ultimate trust in the eternal seed of the gospel. And that brings us to our last question, number three. What difference does it make? Well, if we are truly born again, it will make a huge difference in our lives. We won't be hypocritical and hateful. We'll be filled with genuine love for others. Did you see that? In verse 22, it says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another. This is what we're called to do. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. The imperishable seed that makes us born again also makes us love others. The word of God, specifically the gospel, not only gives us life, it gives us love. Now, when verse 22 talks about being purified, it means that if we are following Jesus, we are set apart. We are set apart from the world. We're not perfect, but we're, we're different. God's word changes us. And if we are born again, we should be different from the world. We should be overflowing with love because we've been loved and we've been cleansed and purified, and now we're set apart to love others. When my kids were younger, I was, I was like, I was Mr. Bathman. Like, I loved giving them baths, and that was kind of my job, and I did that all the time. All right, maybe not all the time, maybe like when I was home. All right, maybe I did it just a couple times. Anyway... No, I gave them a lot of baths. Trish, I'm sure Trish did more. But, but one of the things, you know, I love, you know, when they were all, like, they were so filthy, and you'd get them in there, get them all, like, nice and clean. You dry them off. You powder them. You put them in these new fresh jammies, and they smell so nice and clean and good. And they're now set apart, okay? So they've gone from the dirty category. Now they've been set apart into the clean category. And what I wanted to say is, okay, no, listen, just stay like that. Just stay. Like, stop making dirty diapers. Stop touching things that are sticky. Stop getting dirty. Go act like nice, clean little children. That's kind of how God has set us apart. God's love has cleansed us. It's, it's set us apart so that we can now show people the love of God. But it doesn't take long for us to get dirty again, does it? And in case you haven't noticed, the world isn't doing a very good job of loving others. And neither was I before I was born again. I loved myself. I lived for myself. And I hated others, usually behind their backs. And even when I did love others, I often did it for selfish gain. But that all changed when God rescued me and planted the eternal seed of the gospel in my heart. He changed me, and he continues to change me. You know, our society is really spending a lot of time hating people that are different, 
hating people that are in the wrong political party, hating people that are taking the wrong stance on masks or critical race theory or vaccinations. Our, our world has become great at hating people that think differently than they do. Taylor Swift told us that the haters are going to hate, 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 hate. <laughs> you didn't think I'd bring Taylor Swift into this one, did you? <laughs> I, I didn't think so either. Um, and it's true. She's right. But the bigger problem is that when we read what the haters write, or we watch what the haters say, when we expose ourselves to what the haters are talking about, we start to become haters too. The haters are going to reproduce hate, 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 hate. And too many people are happy to be carried along by someone else's hatred. See, this passage teaches, listen, this teaches that if we are born again, we will love earnestly. That's verse 22. This means that we'll do whatever we can to, to love someone. We will sacrifice our time and our preferences and our plans and our money to serve someone else. And we're called to love from a, a pure heart. That means we don't do things for our own gain or glory, but for the benefit of others. We have their best interests in mind. And finally, we're to love with this brotherly love. Do you know what the Greek word for brotherly love is? Philadelphia. It's right there in verse 22. Brotherly love means to love someone dearly. It's not just a feeling. Brotherly love has to do with how we treat others even when we don't, even when they don't love us back. There's a great story of this. In 1569, a man named Dirk Williams was caught, tried, and convicted by the Catholic Church as an Anabaptist in the Netherlands for following the teaching of the Bible. He actually escaped from the palace that he was being held in, which was turned into a prison. He let himself out a window with a rope made of knotted rags, and he dropped onto the ice that covered the castle's moat. Seeing him escape, a palace guard pursued him as he fled. Dirk crossed the thin ice of a pond safely, of the moat safely. His own weight had been reduced by the short prison rations, but the heavier pursuer broke through the ice. Hearing the guards' cries for help, Dirk turned back and rescued him. The less than grateful guard then seized Dirk and led him back to captivity. So here's a Here's a picture of him rescuing his captor. But it says this time the authorities threw him into a more secure prison, and soon he was let out and burned to death for his faith. That's love. That's love. And this is what Christ has done for us. The ultimate act of unconditional love was when Jesus died on the cross for us. It was his love for us that drove him to the cross. He loved us when we didn't love him back. Now, you may feel like it's impossible to love others well. You try, but your love never lasts. God didn't intend for you to love others through your own strength. He knew that would never work. He intended for you to love others through his strength 
and through his love. And you can only access that if you give your life to him. And if you do that, you will be born again. You will be loved perfectly and eternally and unconditionally by Christ. You will know a love like no other, a love that will change you. You know, we all want to be loved. And we all want to be loved unconditionally. When you receive the love of Christ, it frees you to love others. It enables you to love the way Christ loved you. This is what the eternal power of God's word does in our lives. It causes our dead hearts to be made alive again. And it puts the unending love of Christ into our hearts so that we too might love one another. If I could have the band come up, they're going to perform a special song called Shaken, but let's take a moment and pray. Lord, thank you for your amazing, unconditional love. That when you went up on that cross, taking our sin, you did not come down, but you died, paying the price that should have been ours. Lord, we all know that things in this world do not last. And I pray that you would help us not to live for what is temporary, but to live for what is eternal. Help us, God. Help us to live for those things. In Jesus' name.